episode is brought to you ad-free thanks to all of our wonderful patrons. Get a ton of exclusive content and help us keep the show going by joining at patreon.com slash flop. And welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. Next week, we'll be talking about Takeki Ryusei. If you'd like to read along with us, be sure to join the discussion in the Discord and submit your six-word summary. You can find a link to the Discord in our episode description and on our website, shonenflop.com. But this week, we are talking about Butsu Zone, because I still can't say it. I knew it. you were going to call it that. <laughs> I knew you were going to call it that, David. I'm still still calling it Butsu Zone. For the record, it is probably pronounced Butsu Zone. But, y- you know, just... Look, I like big Butsu Zones, and I cannot lie. I know, David. I know. Uh, that'll probably be the name of this episode. But mm-hmm. you know what? I cannot lie that I am a big fan of our guest this week, Andy. Hello. Andy, hey. thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm like a really longtime Shaman King fan, as well as Hiroki Takei's other works. So I've run lots of websites that are based around Shaman King since like February 2004. So Yo, I had an Angel Fire website called Shaman Kingdom. I'm not going to lie. That's actually a pretty great name for a Shaman King fan site. I felt very proud of myself. Unironically, you should be. That's really impressive. Thank you. Yeah, so it's... Anyway, you're not talking about me, though. Yeah, sorry. We have a professional Shaman King expert. Andy, what was your Angel Fire site called? I was bouncing around a whole bunch of them back in the day, but I eventually like landed on Patch Cafe because I was like, hey, I'm just going to host my own hosting so I don't have to worry about hopping between free sites to free sites. So hell yeah. Shaman King Nation was the one back in the day because you had to have a really cheesy name back in 2004 as well. So <laughs> oh, yeah. So then I made a much more easier name Patch Cafe in 2011 because, you know, that was still many years ago. Did you have a web ring? I was just on the edge of that. How many affiliates did you have? And was your guest book signed frequently? Uh, there was not too many affiliates because all the at the time, all the websites were dying left and right because, you know, yeah. free sites were like, hey, GeoCities was closing and all those other ones. So I was the one website that like survived. Damn. That's intense. But you know what didn't survive? Definitely the series. But Sue, its own aspects of this series survived. Oh, we will. We'll get into that. But why don't we also get into some manga details? Take it away, Jordan. Well, the title is a pun on uh, Butozu, <laughs> meaning statue of Buddha. Just add an N sound to the end and it becomes Butozon. Uh, thank you, Tucker. The author was oh, a little guy named Hiroyuki Takei. Oh, who's that? Oh, well, David, he made a manga known as Am- of the taco and then he made a manga called shaman gang never heard of it yeah me neither don't look at my angel fire website oh fell for my bamboozle oh my god what oh my god david has heard of this anyway yeah so he was an assistant for takamichi sakura on something called shape of happiness which was serialized in a video in owen famitsu and Takei was apparently featured in the story as turtle san an actual turtle he also uh well david he uh he also was an assistant for Nobuhiro Watsuki, uh, uh, the, pedophi- the pedophile who wrote Roni Kenshin. Yeah, which uh, I, every time I see people say, oh, Roni Kenshin's back, they're like, I really wish it wasn't. Uh, you know, I wish I could just say that Hatsune Miku wrote Roni Kenshin, but I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> singer? You don't know that joke, David? No, I don't. The joke is that when an author you hate creates something that you love, you just say, oh, that was made by Hatsune Miku. Oh. That's kawaii. Yeah, but uh, I, I can't do that. He also worked with uh, Koji Kiriyama on something called Ninku, which apparently, according to Maxi B, Ninku is secretly one of the most influential jump series of all time. And they said to not get them started on it, but I'll have to get them started on it sometime because that sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. Notable people that are their brother. What a category, right? Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, there's only one. Hirofumi Takei, who apparently wrote Chopper Man, which is a One Piece spinoff? Yeah, it's the, uh, like, comedy parody one, where they're all chibis. As opposed to One Piece? Yeah. Oh, oh, they're chibis. Yeah, they're okay. all chibis and whatnot, yeah. Notable people that they had as assistants. Mikio Ito from Normandy Secret Club, which is that, is that about World War II? I mean, most, it seems like half of all anime is about World War II, so whatever. Matsui Katsunori, aka Kiyu, who did Hanakaku, Last Girl Standing, number 10, and so- Somalia. Somalia, huh? Hmm. I thought that that was the same guy that did, uh... No, it's not by the champagne guy, I don't think. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. I was like, wait a minute, those are two show- two different ones, yeah. 
No, because I will never forget that that guy's name was Joe Araki. Yeah, that's true. He also had Kei Kawano, who did Grand Slam. The manga about Denny's. Exactly. Yoichiro Tanabe of uh, Oshiete Puredo Wanda Sank. I don't know what any of that is. And Daigo is the only thing here. That's all you need. All caps. Yeah, it's just Daigo all caps. I assume that that's referring to the guy who did the legendary Street Fighter parry. Those who know, know. Yes. Street Fighter moment. What is it? 37 or something? Yeah, something like that. It's so funny because I've been watching Justin Wong's content and eventually realized, oh, shit, he's the guy that got Daigo parried. (laughs) Yep. But anyway, some bonus trivia. Uh, Takei is a huge fan of Gundam. Really? I couldn't tell. That must have been a shocker to you, Andy. Oh, yeah. It's so blatant. When, when it happened, I was because David made a guess that there would be some kind of shoehorn mecha content. And like within like two chapters, I was like, damn, he's right. Got him. But yeah, he's a huge fan of Gundam to the point of participating in the Drill Gundam doujinshi, uh, which means I guess he was like, I brought my Gundams to the cookout and turned the 4th of July into the 4th of July of shit. Alongside Oda and other notable names and the official SD Gundam special anthology. David, I believe the SD stands for Super Defender. If my <laughs> if the dub that appeared when I was a kid was being accurate. Oh, God, I remember SD Gundam. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. He's a big fan of Mini 4WD from childhood. I don't know what the fuck that means. I can explain that one for you. So in Yakuza, you know how they have those uh, car racing little mini games? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mini four wheel drive, isn't it? Oh, so he likes Hot Wheels, basically. Hell yeah. And yeah, he had a a design contest entry that was uh, got used in an official manga. That's cool. His biggest influences are a guy named Hirohiko Araki. I don't know who he is. is. Uh, Osamu Tezuka and Gegeje no Kitaro creator Shigeru Mitsuki among his influences. And uh, Maxi B recommends a documentary about Takei, which I have not watched yet, but probably will a little later. It seems interesting. And we'll include a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. So the author's other works, uh, the prior works. Well, this is Takei's first serialization, but he did create some one shots between 94 and 97. And his later works are, well, fucking Shaman King. Yeah. The manga that might be like the most nostalgic for me. Oh, yeah. Also, it does not hold up. I'm going to just say that now. <laughs> it's good. It's it's not as good as I remembered it, but it's good. Mm. The uh, David's like, hmm. I feel like Andy's going to murder me if if I say anything else about how I drop Shaman King. (laughs) Next, there is Juki Ninkan Jumbor, which was 2007 at 10 chapters, one volume. And Maximino said it is flop eligible. And then there was another thing called Jumbor, which ran from 2010 to 2014 and then went on hiatus with Hiramasa Mikami. So that actually is not flop eligible. Wow. Then Karakuri Doji ultimo with fucking stan lee apparently yeah which is insane and then uh the most recent thing here is nico gahara from 2015 to 2018 and it had five volumes before we jump there i will say a couple of one, one other things so for take he's had a total of eight series that have been canceled or indefinite hiatus Nice. Uh, To make matters worse, he's been in five separate magazines that he's been that those magazines have been canceled while being published in them. Oh, he just can't catch a break. Failed works and Take are like hand in hand here because boy, (laughs) yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's rough. But this ran uh, between February 18th, 1997 to July 11th, 1997. It replaced uh, Rokudenashi Blues by um, Masanori Morita, which is apparently a massive fucking hit. And the series that replaced David was Joker by (laughs) Kazutoshi Yamane, which was apparently a flaw for two volumes. Uh, Wow. I guess well, I guess it was uh, not a very hungry Joker though from what it seems like which was also a flop oh that series fucking sucked yep and the series that it ran with was uh watashi no keiru sama by yuki nakajima which is a flop and uh hanasaka tenshi tenten which was apparently a hit for 17 volumes and this series this year says it ran for 22 chapters over three volumes that's not true it ran for 19 chapters and then there's like three little bonus ones yeah there was a lot of bullshit that i just skipped i don't know about you guys 
I read the Anna the Ataka one because I like Anna, but like the uh, Pilot Zero one, I did, I skipped. Yep. I mean, that's enough. We, we've told you about the manga, but how about we get into about the manga? Yeah, let's hear those manga details. Sachi is a young girl living at a Buddhist monk temple and is under attack from some mafia bad guys when suddenly the Buddhist statue comes to life and protects her. Out of the statue bursts a young boy, which freaks the bad guys out so much that they run away. When Sachi wakes up, she's with her grandpa and the young boy who claims to be a Buddha named Senju. He has come to Earth to protect the Buddha Miroku, who will save all of mankind. The grandpa then explains that Sachi was left at the temple as a baby, orphaned by her parents, so he decided to take her in. I'm sure that's not foreshadowing at all. The bad guys <laughs> soon come back and demolish the temple, led by their leader, Mike. Senju then activates the Buddha armor, which turns into like a ton of arms to catch all the bullets and beat up all the bad guys, including some construction equipment. Senju then tells Sachi that she's actually Moroku and he's come to protect her. Soon, another Buddhist statue comes to life to fight them at the behest of Mara, who's like the evil Buddha or something. Sorry, I'm not very knowledgeable in Buddhism. And Senju just easily wrecks his shit because he's like literally made of soil and wheat. What the fuck? He then tells Sachi that they gotta go to India and will be shepherded by the seven gods of happiness. On the way, they are attacked by two more evil Mara guys but are saved by the Bodhisattva Jizo, who is Krillin, but a Buddha, right? Yep. Yeah, he looks literally like Krillin. I mean, I, I mean, to be fair, I think that's because Krillin is based on young Buddhist monks. You know, it's like full circle, full circle. Yeah, it's like they're both from the same thing. Anyway, he's a Buddha who helps travelers and children and came to Earth because he likes rice balls. Then in the Buddha country, which is a relevant an actual place, apparently, the Buddha King tells a story about how Senju is the nicest bodhisattva ever because like he saved a bunch of puppies one time. Suddenly, a puppy statue named Koma comes to life and hugs Senju. Yay! A boat comes to pick them up and there's seven people on the ship. They're the gods of happiness. Senju, Sachi, and Koma get on the boat saying goodbye to Jizo, but when they fall asleep, the gods of happiness are killed and replaced with seven evil gods of happiness. Dun dun dun. Led by Ashura, a disciple of Mara. Popcorn David. Thankfully, Jizo followed them on a fishing boat and helps box all the guys together so Senju can punch them a bunch with all his fists. Ashura then tosses Jizo, who's made out of stone, into the ocean. Talk about a stone ocean, right, Jordan? Yeah. I had that same thought when I was writing it. I like how you called him Jizo, like uh, from the Wu-Tang Clan, Jizo. I'm going with the names, I feel. I'm on like four hours of sleep today. Yeah, just go for it. Just wing it. <laughs> yeah. And then viciously attacks Senju. Sachi jumps in after him as Senju and Ashura fight. Senju reveals that they used to be friends and asks Ashura why he's doing this. Ashura flashes back to when he was a little kid and fell in love with a girl named Sachi who was kidnapped by an Which e is very, which is very fucking confusing, by the way. Yeah. Sachi, Sashi, it feels like there was supposed to be some kind of ironic connection there that it just never happened. Yeah, a lot of this series doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. But Sashi was kidnapped by an evil ruler, and after he failed to save her a bunch of times, he got really mad. Senju opens up all his chakras and tries to attack Ashura, but faints from exhaustion. Ashura leaves because it's a manga, and he wants to fight him at his full power, which is not the last time we'll see this trope happen. It's almost like every three manga that happens in, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but Senju wakes up, grabs a rope and the stone puppy so he could sink, and hops into the water to save Jizo and his dumbass savior. I Yeah, her plan made zero sense. Why did she jump into the fucking water? She doesn't do anything. She can't help him. She this just character was like, doesn't do anything, period. She was like, I'm going to go drown right now. See ya. <laughs> yep. They're found on the beach by a passing car. When they wake up and they're at Grandpa's new temple, where Mike and his bad guys are now monks. While training with Jizo, Senju's armor breaks, so they decide to go to the Mountain of Fear to meet an Itako, an old lady who can channel the dead because she could summon the guy who made the armor in the first place. The three continue the journey when a guy with a guitar case shows up at the temple. Of course, he has an axe in his guitar case, except it's an actual axe, and he slices all hey! the monks. Get it, get it. Oh, so get clever, it, so clever. Get it. <laughs> then he finds Senju and reveals he's Senju's big brother, Bato. He didn't actually kill those monks, he killed their anger. Ah, uh, I get it. Yeah. He's very bloody for a metaphor. Bato shows up to take over Senju's role because Senju is a weak little bitch who can't protect shit, and that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> Senju accepts and starts leaving. 
but he gets really sad about it, so he comes back to challenge Bato to a duel after he gets his armor fixed. Bato agrees and steals a motorcycle. Senju, Jizo, and Sachi then go on a train where they encounter some local ruffians, but are saved by Anna from Shaman King. Like, actually, it's just the same character. It's literally Anna from Shaman King. That is not a joke. Yeah. It's her. Straight up her, yep. Andy, I'm sure you'll have some insights into how, do you know, is that literally the same character? No, it's not. So it's a variant. Because she has the sword, right? Well, the difference is in Shaman King, she gets referred to as Anna the second. So this is the Anna the first. And then eventually Take says, I need a new idea. So how about Anna the third? Oh, hey, wait a minute. This manga takes place in like 1975. (laughs) Jordan, you're ruining the big twist at the end. Oh, was that a twist? Popcorn Andy, so you can tell us about how that's a big twist. Yeah, so they go to Anna's house, and she channels Junkie, the guy who made the statue that turned uh, that turned into Senju. So he so was statue Junkie. Statue, yeah. Just needs one more statue, man. <laughs> he was the sculptor that who who just couldn't put his heart into work. Then one day, his little sister, who happened to look identical to Senju, again, right on using the same character designs here again, lightly bumped into a samurai who immediately cut her in half. At least here, the it's intentional, or at least it is jump somewhat justified, you know? like Yeah, at least it's not murder for, like, no reason. Or fighting for, I don't know, fights. I'm talking about why the designs look the same. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Junkie de- then turned into the Punisher for, for Samurai, somehow taking on groups of men with just his chisels, and that's pretty metal. It's pretty metal. He kills a ton of people, but he's still mad. So he prays to Buddha and realizes that he has to turn his hate into love or something. As he sits on death row, he carves a pillar carves a pillar into the best Buddha statue ever, which is where Senju emerges from. Like a pillar man. Yeah, yeah. Aye-ya. Well, he said Araki was one of his biggest influences. That's true, actually, yeah. Junkie then makes even better armor for- from him, and it's so cool that he got eyes on his hands now. Then he fights Bato and shows that he can redirect all of Bato's energy into a giant key blast so that Bato's like, it's just a prank, bro, and agrees to go with them. <laughs> but then just Ash- Ashura shows up with all the bad guys and they attack. They kill Bato in order to try to make Senju hate. Oh, real quick, I forgot to also mention something in the plot summary something very important they kill the puppy yes right how dare they they kill the puppy what the fuck ashura yeah to me that's more important than bato like it was like no uh, unquestionably unquestionably you guys a shit about bato yeah so jizo has to then attack them with his goofy looking armor but then he dies too so rather than hate them senju just feels bad for them which shocks ashura senju then goes inside ashura's brain to see why he's so mad and he finds out it's just a big cold tundra he walks in there for days until he's saved by moroku who happens to look like arianda grande she purified back in 1997 <laughs> he foresaw it he just knew what was happening here he then purifies Ashura's mind, and when Senju wakes up, he's in the real world, and Anna tells him that his body was protected by Ashura, who evidently became a good guy. A bunch of characters who died are then just speaking to each other in Buddha's land, because, I mean, what else are they going to do? Go to Detroit? You know, Moroko is supposed to be awakened in when Sachi turns 36, but whatever, the manga's over, so goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye! Exposition the ending. Oh, yeah. This is one of the three ways that a manga can act. Yeah, but let's get into the character section. How's that sound? Let's do it. So, Andy, do you mind telling us about the main character, Senju? So, Senju, he is like the very strong guy, but he's really a monk, and he comes from the Buddha land. So, he can do all those stand rushes, he has some absurd power limitations, and he also doesn't like violence. What's the restriction? It's like he can only do his special attack once per day if he's on certain land or something. Yeah, it's like uh, the original Yusuke spirit gun before they realized that was stupid and they later just let him use it multiple times a day. Yeah, I feel like that attack also it got confusing because then they were like, here's another big attack you can do. Yeah. What do you think overall as, as a character, Andy? So Take actually had some thoughts about Senju as well. So here's some things that good thing he told us about it, because boy, I wasn't ever going to figure this out. So you notice how he's referred to as Thousand Hand Senju? So there's a meaning behind that. But you're going to be like, bro, I didn't actually draw a thousand hands if you didn't know. No, <laughs> but he did count how many hands he did draw. So he actually drew Ooh. 20 hands on each side. So that way he gets to a total of 42 arms that are coming out of Senju. That's the answer to life, the meaningless, yes. the me- life, the universe and happiness. <laughs> Jordan's like trying. The meaning of life is that it's meaningless, which is true. Life, the universe and everything. There we go. 
once I saw that, I was like, let me go back and count. And for the most part, he did actually draw out 40 hands, which is just insane for putting all the effort in that one aspect of it. But how you get to the thousand from 42 is that it said that each hand can grant 25 wishes. Ah. So if you take 25 and you multiply it out, you get to a thousand wishes. And if you go even one step further, because Take just really leaned heavily into this, if you go back to like old school, really back in Japanese ways, you used to be able to translate a thousand to an innumerable number. So meaning it could be unlimited wishes. So that's how you had to get from 20 <laughs> to a thousand to unlimited. Oh, that's, that's cute. not the first time they use a weird translation issue here, because like the whole premise here is that uh, like Moroku is supposed to come back and like something like three three or four billion years but then they're like oh years could be interpreted to mean men so really it's just the pop when the population hits like that many billion yeah he just he was taking all those aspects yeah just be like yeah this this will work i mean he just is like yeah close enough all right and then god i'm just thinking about how fucking pointless sachi is now we're talking about like all the things he kind of ignored <laughs> so jordan do you mind telling us about who is supposedly the secondary main character Sachi, she's the second coming of Buddha Jesus. She's basically like, well, she's there. She complains a lot. I don't think she actually contributes a single thing of value in this entire series. Correct. Uh, she's a MacGuffin. Yeah, it's actually kind of nostalgic to see a woman be completely useless in a Shonen Jump manga. <laughs> yeah, it's so nostalgic. Yeah, I would say, can you guys think of like a date when you feel like manga really was like, we need to actually respect women in our series? That happens. I mean, when you get to Anna. By comparison, it's happened. Like a manga like Akane Banashi could not have been made 30 years ago, where it's literally only about a woman being the main character. And you know that she was so useless in this series because Take didn't add her into Shaman King. Yeah. There was no comparisons like, and that character is now gone. Honestly, it should have just been Senju and Anna. Yes. Like, it's way better. I mean, that's what he did is like he's took the best parts of this. I mean, which we've seen a lot of times, like in simple, it's the greatest example where he literally turned an entire arc into a series because it was the only good part of that manga. This more than almost every other manga we've read really just feels like total proto Shaman King. We'll get more into it a little later. But yeah, Sachi, apparently when she hits 36, she's going to get really strong and interesting. But this ends when she's like 13. So guess we'll never see it. Shall we move on to Jizo? The Jizza, the Rizza, the old dirty bastard. I forget. I have a note saying Jizbutt. So was it like that was his full name? Was something like that? Well, he's like the Jizo Bodhisattva. Oh, so. yeah, Jizbutt. <laughs> but yeah, so he's kind of badass. He's definitely the most helpful of the main characters because Senju keeps getting his yeah. ass beat. Like Jizo just, Jizo also with the offer like writes him out and then brings him back like two chapters later for no reason. Well, because because he was like, shit, I don't know how they're going to get out of this. Ah, oh, I got Jizo over here. What if he's doing this? Yeah. Jizo is actually extremely useful. Not only does he fight, but when they're all like, oh, fuck, we can't, we got to get food. How are we going to do that? He just turns into a statue and people leave him offerings. Yeah. I mean, his whole thing is that he knows how to travel places. He's like the Buddha of travel. Yeah. I mean, he's like the mannequin piss of the series where he's just like really clutch. Jizo fucking rules. I actually really like him. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, Jizo, I would say, is probably a, the Sora of this series. Yeah, I, th- I think he's the best character here, if I'm being honest. And then, Andy, what did you think of him? He's pretty much the best. Though, it's kind of ironic that he's also, when they went to the Mountains of Fear, which is supposed to be the Orizan uh, Mountains, so it actually is a real place that was kind of bad translation. That's supposed to be, like, his homeland as well. So that's this one spot where he's oh. supposed to be the most powerful, but Rip, he still didn't make it. So that was kind of ironic there. Well, he was able to do that huge attack with, like, all the Jizo statues, and they do kind of briefly mention that. It's just, oh, yeah, he just has a bunch of dudes show up. Just wasn't enough. Yep. You know who was enough was Bato. So, Andy, do you mind telling us about Senju's older brother? Yeah, so Bato's, like, the fill-in for everything that's cool of Take. He's like, hey, I like JoJo. Hey, I like this movie. I want to just have this be a representation. He's just the fill-in. Do you mean Mariachi? Are you thinking about the movie Mariachi? Uh, or no, Desperados? Desperado, yes. Oh, that's what I was like. This is definitely a reference to something. You're right. It's Desperados. Yeah. Take even admitted. He's like, I'm just straight up. So he's just around to be cool guy who actually will fight when Senju says, eh, Jizo's not around to do it. So it's great that he does all the cool action scenes, I guess. Now, do you feel, because when I saw him, my mind immediately went to Silva from Shaman King. Yeah, Silva's pretty based off him as well. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, and then also he looks like a JoJo character because he is he is you know that eight, that six foot five eighteen year old that can bench three hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got super armor. He's got like super transformer armor. It is the most mecha part of this anime. His armor, this manga, it turns into like a motorcycle or something. Did he steal that motorcycle? Well, he's got like a sacred ethereal motorcycle or something. I don't fucking know. And he can turn his armor into a giant axe and shoot a bunch of axes and chains from it and shit. Pretty badass. It was pretty badass. Not gonna lie. It looks cool. And speaking of badass, by the way, also Anna, as we talked about from Shaman King is here. You should read Shaman King if you want to learn more about her character where it's like the multiverse variant yes the big difference between anna here and anna and shama king is that anna and shama king is a lot meaner the anna here is kind of nice she's like nice but she tries to hide that she's nice but it's it's still pretty clear that she is much nicer than the anna from shaman king who's just just mean Yep. Speaking of being mean, why don't we get into why it failed where we can start tearing apart this series? Jordan, so what would you say something that really stood out to you as a negative in the series? I kind of just feel, we mentioned it before, but God, Sachi is so useless. What a like, right? What a terrible choice for like the main POV character. She does nothing. She does less than nothing. She actively endangered herself doing nothing of value trying to save him. I don't get it. It was also very inconsistent and confusing when they would be like, oh, he's made out of wood or, oh, your statue's made out of stone. So you're made out of stone. But it's like, so how strong is your actual armor? Like when they're when they're shooting you with all this shit, is your armor just literally fucking plywood? Why is it able to withstand all this shit? And apparently he must be extremely light because he can't sink. Yeah, it's, it's completely arbitrary. Like, you wouldn't ever know, like, hey, that one's out of stone and wood. It's just like, oh, by the way, why? It's like, what? Right. It comes up like once or twice as like set dressing where he's like, I can't go in the water because I made out of stone. It reminds me almost of gargoyles, except. Oh, that's a great recommendation, actually. <laughs> what to check out instead of this? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Except uh, dumber than gargoyles. I feel like not a lot really happens. A lot of the series is like Buddhist propaganda. Yeah, I just there's no real plot. And the plot that exists is so like none of the characters really do anything. There's no development. There's no plot development or character development in this series. Half of this series is just like talking to you about Buddhist concepts and explaining what the bodhisattvas are and stuff, which uh, I still it didn't do a great job of doing, I'm going to be honest. No. Yeah, because you could like you could see a whole page of like, okay, here's just a whole bunch of text and I'm just going to skip it. And you could and it doesn't matter. Like you just like, okay, moved on. It's like champagne where we don't care about the description about the champagne. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think it's definitely more interesting than Champagne, but it's still exposition. And as I mentioned on the Chibi, it's only interesting to me because I'm not from an East Asian culture where I encounter Buddhism all the time. If I lived in Japan or China or India and I read this, like it might come off as the same as if I was reading like a Christian comic, you know, where it's like it just goes into talking about how Jesus died for our sins and shit. And it's like, okay, man, like I fucking know I don't care. So what was interesting to me might not be interesting to you if you are more familiar with Buddhism. I think also having a stronger translation would have helped. That would have helped. Absolutely. But I mean, to be fair, that only happened because this manga didn't get popular. And it was a product of the time. Like 26 years ago is a long time ago. So we've improved since then. You know. Oh, yeah. And then how about you, Andy? Is there anything else you think like that you would say? Because I-, I feel like it's actually there's less to discuss of why it failed because it's just these issues are so large. Right. And just like there was no plot. There was no character writing. It was overly exposition. And it's just like there's nothing to dive into because it's such a fundamental problems the series has. Yeah, because the thing that the it didn't go anywhere as i think it because it didn't have a goal yeah war is bad is not a goal save people isn't a goal you need to like fight something you need to be having a goal to reach so you could never reach a goal so you're never going to get anywhere which is like the root of the problem of like yeah why it totally failed yeah take had some thoughts too what is it all right so here's how i went from the two volume reprint of the series because even though this series failed it definitely got some reprints later on so this is these are his thoughts take's thoughts from 10 years after the series had ended he felt characters weren't well developed and he thought designs were too similar and not very unique which i totally agree and then he reused some of them <laughs> Yeah, reused them. All the fights that everything he was fighting was kind of a mess. Like what was happening? He's doing a better job at this section than we are. Yeah, well, we should have had him on the show. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. Andy even great. I mean, I'd be down to have him on. <laughs> 
<laughs> That'd be cool. He also complained that he made all the robes and clothing too complicated, but he was too far into the series to actually change all of that. <laughs> so he regretted that. Didn't Kishimoto, one of the reasons he had a time skip is he simplified everyone's design to make them easier to draw? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And to go to that, your comment about how it was like, was this Buddhist propaganda? So from a story concept, he knew, Take knew going in that most people don't care like about Buddhism at all, like in terms of like, what the statues are, what they mean and whatnot. So even before he started working on the series, Take didn't know what the heck differences were. So oh, he had God. to do a whole bunch of research for all of that to just to figure that out. But then he realized that maybe this concept was being too highbrow and was really difficult to actually put into a manga series. So even he acknowledged maybe it wasn't the best concept to uh, go off on, but he did it anyway. It's really interesting to hear an author who has gone on to better success and improved go back and look at uh, his early series. Like, it would be interesting to see Tabata talk about Hungry Joker, and I wonder if he will ever do that at some point. And, like, talk about why that didn't yeah. work. But yeah, and then my final... I, I feel like the best way to describe why this failed is the series is just lame, man. It's really... It's, really, it's lame, you know? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. It's kind of like, like, I had to read this in chunks. I couldn't get through it. I had to read it like a chapter at a time. It was just like, this is boring and kind of confusing for a while. Also, the paneling is really boring, too. Yeah, I feel it improved, but like, I don't know if it was a product of the time, but all square panels almost all the time. Maybe we're spoiled by how dynamic paneling is now, especially, I'm sure, computer assistance. But like, I don't know, Andy, do you have any idea? Like, was this like all only square panel thing, like typical at this time period? Or was that considered kind of like lame for the time even then? So we're right on the cusp of being a transition period, because once you start getting into like the early 2000s, you're going to notice that's when you hit the modern stuff. Everything in the 90s and before that, if you just had your outliers, that would have some really dynamic stuff. But a lot of things were very squared panels. So really, this is really just like right on the transition period between like that old school style of manga that happened through like the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, early 90s. And then it's just about to change. And Take is kind of like the first person to start really moving in that direction, which is going to set tone for what Weekly Shonen Jump turns into today. That's pretty dope, actually. That's interesting. I didn't I didn't realize that. I'm going to I'll try and pay attention to that when we go back to like earlier manga, you know? Yeah. And speaking of that, that as a positive, why don't we transition to what it did well? Yeah. So, Andy, why don't you on that note of positivity, keep the vibe going and tell us what were some things you really enjoyed about this year? Felt like it almost started turning itself around once we got to volume two. Right. You know, we got to Anna and it was like, wait a minute, this is now good. Like, this is the spot where it's like, before he got to the end, he got axed. Right in that middle zone, it's like he found his groove. And that was really nice to see for that series. You can tell why he brought Anna back. I mean, I've read about how he genuinely really likes that character and he sees her as like, he calls her his good luck charm. You could tell that when he brings her in, he's just like more comfortable. You know, they break his armor and it's kind of stupid, but it gives it gives them something to do. It gives them a direction beyond the overall direction of just get to India. It's like, well, now we have to go do this specific thing. And when the final battle happens, it feels like things work a lot better. The final Fights are more interesting. Like, I really like all like the evil Buddhists show up and one of them's like a little girl riding on a, a little elephant thing and Bato stabs the little girl. But then the elephant takes off his mask and it's actually a tiny old dude who like, stabs him. Yeah. 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 Because Take usually draws all of his characters first and then goes back and like puts them in scenarios and sees how they would interact with each other. And it's just one of those things where it's like, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, he drew all the characters so he knew how they would respond, but just needed to get to the point where it was kind of interesting for them to have those interactions. Also, I really like his art style. You could pick his art style out of a lineup. Yeah. Aside from the fact that it's just very nostalgic for me, it is a very dynamic, angular style that it just has like, it has like a lot of personality to it. And while I think it definitely fully matures with Shaman King, it's still here. Like it still has a lot of the cool things about it that I liked. I think the energy in the actual scenes is good. I mean, the paneling is kind of lame, but what's actually going on in those panels has a lot of really good energy. His actual storytelling, like, panel to panel is not bad at all. This is not a Ginkga Gluna situation. Yeah, I also think as a topic, Buddhism is a cool topic to have seeded the series. Execution wasn't well, but I still think, like you said, it is fun. The little bits you 
retain from learning about Buddhism were interesting. Not another yokai manga, you know what I mean? Like, hey, something different. Yeah. The other art thing that's interesting is you might have thought the first chapter was a little bit like grainy and dark. And the reason for that is these used to be on the bichrome color pages. And I don't think you've gone into manga series that have had these put color pages before. No. What does oh, that mean? Uh, One Piece had that too, right? Where it's like it's a st- it's in between full color and black and white. Yes. So you hop onto the drive. I actually uploaded some of the images of what the actual original Weekly Shonen Jump pages look like, which are a combination of having black and orange ink. So it does a pass where it puts on a cream color paper, has orange ink go across, then does a black ink over top of it. That's interesting. So if you go back and look at them, you can see how the pages actually look a whole lot more dynamic with this interesting color added into it, which they started phasing that out of new series like shortly after Futsu Zone like in 1997 they still kept using it like into 1998 for a couple manga pages here or there but really in 1999 or so they only started using it ad pages and I think it got phased out of Lee and Jump around 2005 or so or a little bit later on that was it because it was like, yeah, it looks a little bit better, but it's just way more expensive to add an entirely separate color on Yes, here? I believe they had a custom printer because usually you have something that prints black or prints in color. And this was like a custom printer they had. I think the machine was breaking and they just wanted to move to either more <laughs> color pages and it just wasn't financially beneficial for keeping that going. But it's one of those things yeah. where you don't usually see that many of those type of things unless you go back to series before 1998. But it's, a, it's really kind of interesting to like, look at that like as a oh here's what a little bit of color can add to a manga series to make the art actually pop out a whole lot more it's a shame that like they couldn't keep that up but yeah. that's cool it's it's also really funny that like it's literally just their printer was breaking yeah yeah <laughs> it is a shame that they couldn't keep that printer going and along with how it kind of is a shame in some ways the series couldn't keep going so why don't we dive into where it could have gone yeah that's right Honestly, it's hard not to say just read like Shaman King. I honestly think the author did a fantastic job of adapting the feedback from this and just making Shaman King like it has a tournament format. It has a much more interesting power system that's not just based on one religion. I do think maybe if they had rooted, if they had really played more in the whole, they're made out of different materials like wood versus metal versus stone. That could have been their power system where each has like pluses and minuses, not just from physical properties, but maybe from however their like Buddha power system works. I have one thing that this series could have done that would have instantly made so much of it better. And that is from the start, give Sachi some kind of power. Doesn't have to be super powerful, but just like give her something to do. That's a hot take. I'm kind of thinking like um, Koichi from part four, you know, where he gets like kind of a weak power. And then as the series goes on, it gradually gets stronger and stronger. Doesn't Shaman King actually have a similar character where it's like, what's his name? His friend, Yo's friend. Manta. Yeah. Isn't Manta kind of like a fixed version of this where he is not effective in combat, but he really shows his value outside of it? Well, I think the thing is that Manta's also not like a main character. Like he's a POV character, but the entire plot does not revolve around helping Manta do stuff. That's true. Like Yo would be doing the things he's doing without Manta, but because Manta's there, it helps. Mm-hmm. And then how about you, Andy? What, what is something you would tweak about this series? setting up an actual enemy is probably what the series needs. Yeah. Yeah. If we were going to go really into what Take would eventually use, I thought it would be interesting if they used his X-Laws concept and like had like a competing force of like Christianity or something. You know, that would give like a dueling forces and get an enemy. You, you, you know, Take- You could actually still call them the X-Laws if they're based on Christianity. Right. You know, he could just lift that same idea he would eventually come up with. But I think that would have been a more interesting rather than it felt like just like Buddha versus Buddha mess was just not really getting anywhere and saying, hey, let's just go to India Maybe they needed a, a smaller goal, like, let's save Japan first before we worry about the world, you know, scale it down. They're going to India, they could have made Hinduism, yeah, which is the, the other major dominant religion in that region. God, have Buddha and Vishnu, like, fighting out. I don't know enough about Buddhism or Hinduism to say, like, whether that's a good or bad idea. <laughs> but, like, they mentioned that Mara is, like, the great evil king or whatever, but, like, we never see Mara. Like, the series gets better when Ashura starts appearing, I think. Yeah, Tao Ren of the series. Yes, I had the same thought. Like, oh, this is like that short that short kid from uh, Shaman King, that guy. Yeah. yeah, he very much reminds me of Tauren. And it's more about just giving the characters something direct to do. Like instead of these huge sweeping changes that, again, are supposed to happen in like 
23 years or something like it's about just just giving them a direct goal to move towards. I think that's a really good observation. Thank you, David. Take also had some thoughts on where he was planning on going with this. Oh, do it, do it. I want to hear these. All right, so these also come from 10 years later. So Sachi was supposed to be one of multiple Muraku candidates. So there's supposed to be other rivals that were going to show up later, and they were going to have to have some fight to figure out which one's the real one. A Buddhism fight. Buddha fight. fight. Yep. They're gonna be the Buddha king. <laughs> Jizo was going to have six brothers that were all going to get added into the story. So it was going to be one of many. Oh. And for Anna, she was then eventually turned into that first generation uh, Itako. And since this place actually takes place in the 70s, she was eventually going to later move to LA to set up a business. Oh, hell yeah. So you were so close when you said Detroit in the description. I was like, oh, you were, you were right <laughs> on that same wavelength. He was like, Tiger's like, nope, it's LA, not Detroit. That was actually a South Park. But joke. you were on the right. You thought <laughs> yes. the right thing. They were all the same. Like, hey, let's just do that. So that's where Take was kind of like thinking about where the series was going to go as far as some self reflection on the, what happened in Boozer Zone. Imagine if like they show up in India and you're like, all right, but the real Holy Land is Detroit. Is Hollywood, baby? There we go. <laughs> yeah, but it's spelled with one L, so it's Hollywood. <laughs> Which is actually what the main character is because he's literally Hollywood. Actually, Take in his most recent uh, in Shaman King actually went Hollyweed is oh, is is, 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 yeah. is the in universe for Shaman King for Hollywood. Fuck yeah! There's not a lot of mangaka that probably smoke weed, but I feel pretty good that he probably smokes a lot of weed, especially by like Japanese standards, because Yo is pretty much coded as a stoner. Yeah. Does Ryu smoke weed in Shaman King? Am I just I don't know if marijuana has ever been depicted in Shonen Jump. No, you know what? In Shonen Jump? No, I don't think so. Yeah, but yeah, Shaman King's is like as, about as close as they're planning to get. Like, you know, yeah. They try to keep it a little wholesome somehow. <laughs> hey. All right, but I think since we're getting off topic, why don't we dive into miscellaneous thoughts? How's that sound? Sounds good. Andy, I know you've been very excited to talk about some things that have been on your mind. So lay on us. What is your miscellaneous thoughts? So the state of jump this time is something that you probably never thought about. Kind of has a really interesting impact where Butsu Zone kind of came in. So we think about like when series right now, you say like, oh no, a series gets canceled. Jump is like gonna die, you know? It's like, no, it's gonna be fine. But actually back in 1997, it actually is not doing so great. So they recently actually had a lot of big series end in the years prior running up to Butsu Zone. Dragon Ball ended two years before, Slam Dunk the year before, Dragon Quest six months before and Roku Denshi Blues two issues earlier. So what you left the magazine with is a bunch of middling series that, you know, aren't doing fine or whatever. And the only series that's doing well at the time was Roni Kenshin, oh, which great. is not the legacy you want Shonen Jump to be leaving with. No. And that means there's a bunch of new upcoming series that are going to happen. Like Yu-Gi-Oh! started in 96, didn't really get popular until 98. One Piece would start three issues after Butsu Zone. Oh, Hunter would only start eight months after Butsu Zone. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, shit. And like Naruto's still two years away. So they're kind of like about to have their second, like their next renaissance, but like it hasn't, it hasn't occurred yet. Like they're right in the beginning and they have no idea what's, they don't even know what's coming, dude. They don't even know. It kind of sounds like the state of Shonen Jump right now where like Akane Banashi is literally like the latest big series they've had and they're about to have some big guys leave. And it's like, there's nothing really to fill these gaps because it's been what a year since they've really had a series that you're like, this will definitely last 200 chapters. Right. Chainsaw Man is like keeping them keeping them going. And Chainsaw Man's not even shown a jump anymore. Oh, yeah, it's online, isn't it? Or is yeah, it's it Jump Plus. Jump Ultra. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, because we know, like, My Hero Academia is almost on its way out, you know, and if you take out an, another bigger hit or two, then you're just left with One Piece, and, you know, so we're kind of in that same boat, but a lot more of the middling series have a lot better potential, like, you, like Witch Watch or, like, Sakamoto Days and things like that, so it, we're in a better state. Oh, Witch Watch, what a great series. But, like, boy, back in 97, they were itching for a hit, and somehow Take's team really became came the the forward momentum into this next version of what jump really turns into today so he actually formed a very powerful team of assistants and this is where it's pretty great so we had those like list of assistants back in the beginning there but one of the names i want to call out here was katsunori matsui who was an assistant during this time he would later become an assistant on one piece and shaman king and hunter hunter so he got his start with butsu zone but here's where irony literally strikes he actually entered into the 
weekly prize contest for Weekly Shonen Jump. You know, you send in the prize ticket to say like, hey, I want to win these prizes. Here's my top three series. You know, that little raffle thing. Mm-hmm. He won the contest on the 16th chapter. So Take had to make a mention, tongue in cheek, of course, but he had no idea who this guy is who happened to win. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens to be the same chapter where Bato's axe came out. So Hell yeah. did his assistant cancel the series? <laughs> who can say? But that's just a theory. <laughs> yes. So the other things to look at this is like, you'll notice around the whole series, there's like these posters in the background. One of them was for Ito uh, Ito, who was on those posters. One of them was on chapter four, which Take actually fell behind on drawing that chapter. So Take probably told him to throw in those posters so that it counts as extra credit because Jump doesn't like to give credit to their assistants. So I right? think the posters are like a little bit of like, hey, by the way, here's my assistants working on them oh hell yeah well that's really nice of him to do that and but these assistants we remember i had said one piece starts three weeks later yeah it's likely that almost all of take's assistants moved from butsu zone whoa even though joker was technically the series that came after this all of those big names were coming you'll notice there's the overlap between butsu zone and one piece they literally were down the road from each other a three-week break be a perfect time to say hey let's pick up all these assistants and move over so it's pretty likely that One Piece got its start Huzz Butsu Zone got ended. That's interesting. God, there, there's like a different world in which Butsu Zone got like an extra 10 chapters and then One Piece just sucks at the beginning. God. <laughs> right. It, it's That's like a realistic scenario here, it, which is very much of like, where do we rank this as a flop or not? Boy, it's like, I, you know, regardless of anything, it's like you can't just say Butsu Zone needs to survive if, if it's at the cost of One Piece. I think that's fair. Well, I think those were some really awesome observations. My only one that I want to bring up is I had written down as a note to myself, Shamate King, to describe this series. So I just want to make sure I said that at least once during the recording. I appreciate that, David. I know that you were really, I knew you were proud of it when I saw it. Yeah. Jordan, do you have any miscellaneous thoughts? Why do Asher's extra heads look like Warsman from Kinikuman? I don't know. I don't know either. They're probably both based on this, the same thing that I don't know anything about. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Maxi B, I appreciate all of your hard work. I'm sorry I cannot read all of these notes. As always, people on the Patreon can read Maxi B's full notes. So a big one I want to just note is, because Jordan was really, really appreciative of the fact, the gangsters are in the Magnolia clan named after Hellboy creator <laughs> and their leader, Mike Magnolia. <laughs> I know it blew my mind like oh why didn't I fucking pick up on that oh right? god <laughs> it also makes so much sense that Takei would be a fan of uh of Hellboy like you can see some of the similarities and like just the energy of the lines in both of those series you know yeah there's a reference to Spawn in the series really? as well. So you can tell he really loves American comics and that actually the grandmother is Yo's grandmother in Shaman King so that's another character that carried over Maxi B got me. They say uh, Warsman of Kinukuman fame is on the back of Ashura. I fucking knew it. So it is definitely a reference. And Ashura Man, as Maxi B notes here, is a character in Kinukuman. He's completely different, but yeah. So, all right. Nice. I wasn't crazy. I knew it. Also, we talked about how uh, Sashi doesn't have a uh, like really carry over, but Max B does note that there actually are some parallels to the character Sati, which is a leader of one of the three great factions in Shaman King. So it dealt, still there was somewhat of a spirit of that character in Shaman King, uh, even if it wasn't as blatant as characters like Anna. Yeah, and it came in much later in the series. Oh, yeah, that's really far into the series for her to show up. Also, now we've really given a lot of our thoughts on things. Let's get into the final verdicts. So let's kick things off with the six word summary from the community. We have from Tucker, Sacred Shell with Mundane Dirt Interior, Maxi B, Buddha Hisava, Why I Hardly Knew Her, Ah, 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 Portal Man, Being Buddhist Gives Me a Mech Suit, and Do All Gods Have Power Armor from The Laughing Fool? Most do. That's true. From The Laughing Fool, Buddha is not dead, just robotic. Lord Anubis, Takai didn't die. He just reincarnated in Shaman King, still Shonen Jump to me. That's true. <laughs> I don't know if we actually talked about that, how uh, the rights of Shonen Jump got purchased from Shueisha, which I don't think happens often. Really? Yeah. What? There's a whole story there. Oh, you mean the rights to Shaman King like, and Butsu Zone and everything else. It's so weird because like the re- the way that I read like Shaman King is so Shonen Jump to me. Like I started reading Shaman King when Shonen Jump first got brought to America. Oh, yeah, it was an OG. And then I stopped reading Shaman King when I stopped reading Shonen Jump. <laughs> We did a Patreon thing where we said our like dream roster and I thought that as like a super secret unlockable yo would show up and that's why it would be like such a big deal if he showed up in a Shonen Jump fighting game. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I love yo. But yeah, to keep going down, Dude Rock said, I'm glad Ana got reincarnated. Generic Man, the <laughs> secret prequel with more mecha. Meru, uh, Shaman King had a spinoff slash glad no, to come. No, no. Shaman King was the spinoff. <laughs> the Yeti, Bionic Battling Buddha's Baffle and Boar. And from Sandman, nice. Chainsaw Man is an overrated manga, which I'm not sure has to do with. I don't know. They just posted it. Get the fuck out. Get out. You can yell at them at your own time, Jordan. Okay. And then Andy, how about you? What was your six word summary? I'm going with no enlightenment. Jump was safe. I love it. How about you, Jordan? Hey, it's Anna from Shaman King. And mine was become one with a nothing plot. <laughs> All right, so let's go around. Does anyone... Uh, so, Andy, would you consider this a flop or not? I have to go with a flop. If you have a sequel that's better, Shaman King, then it has to be a flop, so lock in the flop. Now, is this a certified flop? I, I wouldn't go certified. It was not painful to read. You know what I mean? Like This is like a do-it-for-the-culture kind of moment. Yeah, it's it's not that bad, but didn't, there's no reason why it's anything but a flop. How about you, Jordan? I would say it's a flop, too. I can't call it certified because, like, I mean, first of all, I would say this is leagues better than pretty much every certified flop that we've read, or at least it's, it's at least like a little bit better. Yeah, it's it's definitely a flop. It's very much you need to read it through the lens of seeing how much of Shaman King came from this series failing. That's the other problem with rating this. It's impossible for me to take that back. Like, I can't look at this with fresh eyes. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I agree. So now that we all thought it was a flop, um, let's talk about recommendations. Andy, what do you think someone should check out? I assume Shaman King is the big one. Is there anything else you think someone should check out instead of the series? Yeah, definitely Shaman King, especially the new print omnibuses, because they're cheap and there's 12 of them and it's all out. Plus has the, uh, but if you want a real Ooh. wild card recommendation, uh, you could always do St. Young Men, which is. The, oh, I've heard of that. Which is the series is what happens if Jesus, uh, Jesus and Buddha happen to be living in an apartment in modern day Tokyo. So, hey, there's <laughs> that's pretty dope. There's your wild card one. Yeah. How about you, Jordan? Uh, well, we mentioned uh, that Wars Man is on Ashura's back, and that led me to watching Kinikuman. <laughs> if you don't know, maybe you're my age and you saw Ultimate Muscle as a kid. Well, Ultimate Muscle is a sequel to Kinikuman, and man, this is a series that 100% would have been a flop because it takes a while to get going. Like, I would straight up skip the first six episodes of the anime, but it does start to get good. And the place where I'm at, I'm really liking it. Apparently, they're re-releasing the entire 4Kids dub of Ultimate Muscle soon. Oh, fuck yeah. I wonder how well that's held up. I think the dub worked for that show. It did. And the other, the other funny thing about Kinikuman, the original, is that it is exactly as racist as pro wrestling is. Oh, God. <laughs> A product of its time. It is. Oh, it's weirdly fitting for pro wrestling. Oh. In contrast, though, I'm actually going to talk about a manga that's running right now called Demons of the Shadow Realm, which oh, you mentioned this. is by an author has a little known series called Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, it's hard to describe because it's one of the series that has like a first chapter spoiler where like, oh, if you don't know about the spoiler, it's really awesome. So I won't ruin it. But I will say, Jordan, the series is focused on 2v2 fighting, which I think we had been hope we had been looking for like a really fun series that plays in that where everyone is partner david's been very excited about this for a while yeah so it's about people with partners but everyone has two partner creatures oh and so it's it's just a lot of fun i i can't go into more detail about what happens in it just because of the first chapter spoiler we'll have to see if it's as good as film alchemist but i'm really enjoying it so far hell yeah check that out all right, Andy, I hear that uh, the author also has a recommendation. Yes. So the week before Shaman King was serialized, they asked him for some recommendations for manga. And here are his three series, which you may be familiar with. The first recommendation that he has is Bao. So yeah, Bao. Bao? Wait, you, you mean the... the From your episode 55 of Shonen Flop. Oh, fuck. Araki's Bao. That's awesome. Yes. Uh-oh, Bao goes... His second recommendation is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> so two Iraqis. Is the third one Cool Shock BT? It absolutely is. Oh my god! Fuck yeah. I said that as a joke! I feel Fuck Jordan yeah. and I would be high-fiving ourselves right now. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe that. That's awesome. I'm also excited. We're actually going to be doing a bonus episode on Diesel with the Shuckmeister. Are you familiar with that series, Andy? Uh, no, I'm not. So Diesel is an American comic that blatantly ripped off JoJo's Bizarre Adventure before it was popular in the West oh, nice. and had a resurgence like 10 years ago when someone found it. it was like, wait, literally, this is part three of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Awesome. 
I remember reading that it was like the one of the guys working on it was like trying to get people to like bring Jojo over and nobody was interested. So he was like, fuck it, I'll just make my own then. I'll just fucking do it myself. OK, how about that? Yeah, like a character on it, like straight up says, oh, this enemy stand. Yeah, like <laughs> it's it's intentional. It is not hiding it. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, but let's get into shout outs now that we're talking about other things. Andy, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. You absolutely lived up to the hype as the number one shaman king extraordinaire. Do you mind tell the audience about all the wonderful things you do and where they can find you? Yeah, so I work on a website, Patch Cafe. The website's just patch.cafe. I'm also on for Twitter for at Shaman King News. So if you want any more Shaman King stuff, that's definitely the place. We cover things from around the world as well as all of Take's other things there. I also have a more in-depth piece about Suzone because we have a whole bunch of more material not covered in this episode. I'm going to throw into a little supplemental video that'll come at some point. Well, hell yeah, dude. Oh, and if you just happen to say, hey, I like reading Weekly Shonen Jump currently, and you happen to read me and Roboco, I also have a side project for documenting a whole bunch of things about that, because clearly the year's 2023, and I can still make fan websites. So there's a fan website called Roboco.rodeo, which I'm covering just a bunch of me and Roboco information. Been busy with Shaman King this year. What's old is new again, so like in five years or so, that's all coming back, and then you're going to be there with your established new websites, and you're going to fucking rake in the money. I don't know how, but you're going to rake in the fucking money. Hell yeah. I also want to say, Andy, thank you so much for being a patron and filling out our Be A Guest form. As a note, it's in our show notes and on our site, where if you would like to be a guest on Shonen Flop, feel free to subscribe to that form. We can't guarantee we can have everyone on the show. We certainly try and we always look at that when we're thinking about what guests to have on. And also just thanks for also being a member of the community. I always love seeing all of the awesome insights that you post in the Discord as well. Glad to be here. <laughs> I also want to say props to Jordan for making the opening anything, being a great co-host and helping with editing. Thank you, David, for also being a great co-host and doing all this wonderful work on this podcast, David. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking care of your puppy. She's so cute. She's a little goblin. Props to Merlisle for the awesome cover. Also, and big thank you, Andy, for designing our cover. You made a really sweet mock-up, and I just sent it to Merlisle and said, hey, can you draw this? Oh, so good. Oh, my God. Get in the zone. Bootsu zone. <laughs> you can find her online at Lyle Murr and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thanks to Dylan for assistance of editing. You can find his podcast, Anime Out of Context, at AnimeContacts.com. Thanks to Tucker and Maxi B for assistance with pronunciation, translation, other miscellaneous research. As a reminder, we unfortunately didn't have time to go through all of Maxi B's thoughts. You can find all of their research notes along with Tucker's on our Patreon. And you can find us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever else you get your podcast. Hey, if you have a minute, leave us an iTunes review. It helps us out, makes us, you know, look real fancy like, so we'd appreciate that. And come join the Show and Flop Discord. It's open to everyone, patron or not. Come hang out with us, talk about anime games or whatever else is on your mind. We also have a monthly movie night. Big shout out to Ozzy Rat, who I think is listening in right now. Thank you so much hey! for running that movie night. I'm sorry I've been really busy with the move to be able to go. You can find a link to it in the show notes or on our site. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and want to help us keep going, consider subscribing to our Patreon. Wouldn't be able to keep the show running without their awesome support. You get a ton of great perks. Like, Jordan, what are we? We drop in this month for our patrons finishing up our coverage of magushan hell yeah oh great episode you could even be sitting and listening to our recording live or listening to our warm-up audio just like ozy rat find it at patreon.com slash on and flop and on that note i'm going to read off our patrons real quick so let's get started with the chainsaw man tier we have dude man bro guy moving on down to the dolphin dads we have friendship power flop friendship power flop let's go shonen flop let's go shonen flop let's go shonen yeah. flop and then we have seeing you eating cat food you used a fork seems like you got manners i like that moving on down to my favorite tier the ravioli tier where you get weekly photos of my adorable puppy ravioli we have chris eva israfont josh robinson karate chopsticks rachel my wonderful fiance she already told me she's buying me a copy of final fantasy 16 so i'm looking forward to that scarl mirmanin and trevor schechner who helped me move yesterday so you're an absolute legend oh hell yeah then we have the king of the forest patrons we have 090z shal florine ego gabe lando jacob andrew galloway kirby mon marty max baker t the dungeon master next door the real joy the wolf the wind trafalgar and tommy boy but also i'll just say andy's island who's a galactic ball federation officer but also in this recording so i'm going to give you another shout out for being a patron as i've already said before shout out to andy's islands it says here okay yes oh man and then jordan is there anything else you want to talk about yeah you know listen to mission ignition uh my instagram is jordan forbes art uh, my website is jordan art big shout out to my girlfriend steph who uh i'm staying with her she uh she helped me set up this little uh recording studio which is in her closet and uh all her clothes are working as sound dampeners so if oh yeah your audio did sound great last episode 
Yeah, so if my audio sounds better, it's because uh, she's been, she has been very accommodating oh. to me. So thank you, Steph. She's a real sweetheart. She is. Oh, man. All right, well, all that's left now is let's get into sign-off. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next Monday as we give our first thoughts on Takeke Ryusei. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Andy. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, flopper. Yeah. Bye.